0: The Jerusalem Post Podcast Travel Edition is sponsored by WorldJewishTravel.org, the number one platform for planning your Jewish cultural trips.
1: From the latest on Caribbean cruises to kosher safaris, pilgrimages to Jewish Eastern Europe and award-winning wines and international cuisine in sun-drenched Tel Aviv, sit back and enjoy the trip with the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast. Good afternoon, David.
0: Good evening to you,
1: Mark. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, this is all very silly because, of course, we've been sitting here for the last two hours arguing about how we're going to begin this podcast.
0: So it was afternoon when we started. And good night to the listener out there.
1: Okay, so here's a pre-quiz quiz question for you. I'm going to give you a ticket I'm gonna offer you the chance to go to one of two destinations. I want you to tell me which one you'd prefer and why. One is Vienna in Austria and the other is sort of France in general. Where, where would you go? Can't
0: decide. I'd probably like to go to both.
1: No, 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 no. That's not answering the question.
0: So I can't say, should we hear from people and then I'll make up my mind?
1: (laughs) Do you know what? That's a really good idea. And then at the end of the podcast, that's not fair because we didn't tell the two people who are coming on to talk today that they were sort of part of an auction for Mark's travel tastes over the next few weeks.
0: You can bid and win Mark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They'll be talking the places down like crazy. Well, today we are headed both to Vienna. And afterwards, we'll be looking
0: at France. Should we do a quiz? Absolutely. Question number one What did the Viennese celebrate on September
1: the 9th? And question number two What famous cocktail was invented at the Ritz Hotel in Paris? And as we always say, the answer's at the end of the pod. Ever wish there was a Jewish trip advisor? Visit worldjewishtravel.org for a one-stop shop to plan your
0: Jewish cultural vacation at destinations around the world. Find local tours and guides, discover authentic restaurants and boutique hotels, all with a Jewish story to tell. Don't miss events with our unique cultural calendar,
1: or simply absorb a city's Jewish story with our blogs and travel e-books.
0: Start your journey at worldjewishtravel.org. So, I still haven't made up my mind, David, whether it's Vienna or France, but I think we should start with Vienna.
1: Okay. Have you been to Vienna? I have. What's your thoughts?
0: There's a little tram that goes around the centre of Vienna called the the Ring Tram. Right, yes. I could spend all day on that, just watching the architecture out of the window.
1: Did you go clockwise or anti-clockwise?
0: I think it only goes one way. Actually, no, there's two Ring Trams. You can swap halfway and go a slightly different way. Oh, there you go. So, it's like two rings.
1: So, I've been clockwise. I know you're really impressed by Vienna. I love Vienna, but I find it a bit too angular.
0: No, she was in charge of Germany, <laughs> Angela Merkel. <laughs> oh, God. oh, why don't you introduce the guest? <laughs> okay, let's talk to somebody sensible on the subject. We were lucky enough to catch up with Danielle Spera, who is the director of the Jewish Museum of Vienna. In a previous life, she was a news anchor on the flagship news show of the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation.
1: She began by telling us a little bit about the history of the Jewish Museum Vienna.
2: The Jewish Museum Vienna was the first Jewish museum in the world. It was founded in 1895 out of a group of Jews in Vienna who at that time were already assimilated. Some of them were not Jewish anymore because they had converted to another religion, mainly to Catholicism. And they wanted to remind their visitors about how their ancestors in the Städtel had lived. They collected Judaica out of the period and out of this region. And uh, the museum was closed in 1938 by the National Socialists, and they confiscated all the objects it took a very long time until the idea came up to re-found a uh, Jewish museum, and that was actually in the 1980s when Austria was electing a president uh, named Kurt Waldheim, who had hidden his past during the Nazi period of time. And Austria, of course, was in very very bad shape and in bad headlines all over the world. And the mayor of Vienna, Helmut Zilk, he was a marketing genius, uh, so to speak, and he said, "We have to think of something." that brings us new and better and positive headlines so he decided to refound the Jewish Museum. The city was looking for um, a building and in 1993 the Jewish Museum moved into its uh, current location in the center of the city and in the year 2000 we got a second location which is called Museum Judenplatz And that's a very, very important space for the Vienna Jewish history, because this was the center of Jewish life in the Middle Ages. And uh, Simon Wiesenthal had suggested also in the 1980s that Austria should have a Holocaust monument. And he suggested that Judenplatz, the center of Jewish life in the medieval era, should be the place. Jewish life in the Middle Ages in Vienna was very fruitful. It was a very, very important uh, community of rabbis who were very well taught, who were very important teachers, the most important of their time. So it was a really important Jewish community here which was completely destroyed uh, in 1421. Uh, the Jews were expelled, 200 were killed, burned alive, a terrible pogrom that happened here in Vienna in 1421. And Wiesenthal, such that this should be the space where the monument should be built. And while they were opening up the ground, They found the monuments of the medieval synagogue, and which is, I think, this is an enormous miracle. And so the city did not know, should the monument be built? Should the excavations be open for everybody to see? And then the compromise was found that the monument should be built, but there should be an underneath path that you could visit the the excavation. And this is our second location now. Would you say
1: it's um, a storytelling site? Is it more about artwork? Is it more Judaica-based? Is it history? What are you trying to get over?
2: It's, of course, a history-based museum, both locations. We want, and this is our utmost goal, to tell our visitors what the Jewish community did for the development of this country and of this city. What would not be in Vienna? What would not be in Austria if not the Jews would have built it? It's uh, from infrastructure to medicine to science to culture the messons, all the messons that we that we miss, yeah, all the people that supported the arts, the sciences, uh, everything, you know, and this is something uh, that people do not have in mind when they think about the Jews of Austria. If they think about the Jews of Austria, they think about the Shoah. They think about the years uh, 1938 until 1945. There was nothing before and there's nothing afterwards. And this is terrible because, of course, the Shoah is really the most hurtful thing in in Jewish history. It's so important to tell uh, this incredible history of, of Austrian Jewry. This is our goal. At the same time, we have a huge Judaica collection. So it's both both ways, of course. We have this incredible collection, but we also have this history and we are obliged to tell this history.
1: Tell us a little bit about current
2: and perhaps future, feature exhibitions? Do you have anything that's rotating, anything that you're planning? We have a permanent exhibition about the history of the Jews in Vienna in our main building. And in our second location, we have the history of the Jewish community in the Middle Ages. And in both locations, we have changing exhibitions, At the moment, we show an exhibition on the Rothschild family, which is an incredible, successful uh, exhibition. It's incredible how many visitors we have at the moment. We are all, uh, of course, suffering of COVID or the the, uh, pandemic, but we have so many visitors every day. And we tell the story of the Austrian Rothschild uh, family. And this is really important because all the traces of the Rothschild family were erased in Austria, in Vienna, and people are astonished to learn so much about the history of their city, which we, which they did not know, you know. We also have an exhibition about the children's transports on our second location. We have a view on the, the current Jewish community with photographs by Uriel Morgenstern, who is a photographer uh, living in Vienna and who is the photographer of the community. So, These are our three changing exhibitions at the moment. And the next exhibition that's coming up uh, will be called Love Me Kosher. It's about love and sexuality in Judaism.
0: Do you have a a particular favorite piece or a a favorite corner of the museum? Something that if you had to select one thing, would be your number one piece in the museum? We have
2: an incredible piece in our museum, which is a bicycle. (laughs) The bicycle is called Victoria Blitz. The owner was a very, very, if not the most important person in Judaism. So uh, it's not Moses and it's not Abraham, but it's someone uh, more current. But uh, I will not tell you who it is because I want you to come to the museum and learn yourself.
0: So you're not going to answer that in my next question, which is tell us something surprising about the museum.
2: This is really something surprising and you'll find out as soon as you come. But we ask our visitors, for example, especially our young visitors to go around the museum and to photograph objects they like or they dislike or they find interesting. And there's an incredible object that everybody or most of the students uh, photograph, which is a walking stick, uh, which belongs to our anti-Semitic collection. We have also a collection which was donated to the museum by a prominent Jew from the, out of the Austrian community, which uh, is a walking stick. The handle portrays a Jew with a very long nose. And the students now photograph this object. And I ask them, why do you photograph this object? And they all say the same. They all say it reminds me of Harry Potter. And this is incredible. <laughs> Because you know, because they do not see, they do not see what this walking stick meant, what it meant in the late 1900s when Schönerer was using this walking stick for his uh, German nationalistic uh, rallies. You know, so the young people they don't associate this Stürmer uh, caricatures anymore with this object, and this is something I find incredible, and this is a really really positive thing that this should give us a lot of optimism. It, if we think about the future, that these uh, caricatures that we still have in mind, they don't work anymore with the young people. And this is incredible. We also have uh, started programs for refugees from the Middle East. In 2015, when we had this large influx out of Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq, etc., uh, this is also something that's incredible. We have uh, Syrian women; uh, they come in a group uh, now frequently, uh, and it's incredible to have a dialogue with them, you know, and to 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 reach out uh, and we talk about tamish or we talk about the kashrut and the food and there's so many things we have in common and this is something we have to stick on and we have to to work on that and not not always find things that separate us
1: just the listeners taharata mishpacha is family purity the idea of the separation between the man and the woman for part of the month and kashrut is the word that we use in hebrew that means kosher
0: for those people in vienna who are coming to the museum how do they find the sites of the museum?
2: We are on all the search machines, of course. Uh, so it's the Jewish Museum Vienna, and you will find it on our homepage. All the informations, all our brochures are f- to find in hotels, in the tourist guides. So I think it's it's easy to find, and we're really, really in the center. You can't miss the museum.
1: Daniel Spera of the Jewish Museum Vienna, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: Thank you for the invitation.
0: Vienna Fact File Vienna International Airport can be reached directly with Austrian Airlines from London, Paris, Tel Aviv, New York, Newark, Chicago, Montreal and Washington. Tel Aviv flights are also available with Arkia, Bluebird, El Al, Israel, Ryanair and Whiz Air. Vienna is a 75 minute ferry boat ride or train ride from Bratislava and it's a two and a half hour train ride from Budapest. With a journey time of only 16 minutes, the city airport train is the fastest way to travel downtown. Tickets cost €12. Euros. Forbes' top 10 hotels include the Kempinski, Ritz-Carlton, Park Hyatt, Bristol, Imperial and Grand. $100 US dollars will buy you €90 Euros as of March 2022. Vienna has a typical dry continental climate with warm summers and cold winters. The hottest time of year is July and August when it might get humid at times with temperatures above 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. The coldest months are December to February when some days can see temperatures barely climb above 0 degrees Celsius, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Vienna has a multitude of kosher restaurants, bakeries and shops. All tastes are catered for with choices like Schnitzel at Alef Alef, Sushi at Mer Sharim, and Italian at Novellino.
1: It's time for the news, brought to you by the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. More countries are opening up to vaccinated travelers without quarantine or testing, according to a recent IATA survey. One such country is the Philippines. It removes the cap on the
0: number of international tourists from April 1st. The Israel-Dubai security saga rumbles on. Despite understandings being reached between the internal Israeli security service Shin Bet and Dubai's authorities, it appears the implementation has not taken place, and dozens more Israeli flights have been cancelled. Despite this hiccup, Emirates Airlines have announced the commencement of daily flights from Tel Aviv to Dubai in June.
1: Israel announced the start of flights from Tel Aviv to Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt's Sinai Peninsula, starting in time for Passover.
0: Birthright Israel has decided to lower the age limit for its free tours back to 26 years. This summer is the last opportunity for those aged 27 to 32.
1: And changes have been announced to COVID tests at Ben Gurion Airport. The cost of a regular PCR test was cut from March 27th, while a rapid four-hour PCR result will cost 85 shekels or 26 US dollars. You're listening to the Jerusalem Post podcast, travel edition. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at markdavidpod or mail us at markdavidpod at gmail.com. You're listening to the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast with Mark Gordon and myself, David Harris.
0: It's not often you get to meet legends of the travel industry, but we have been very lucky to interview somebody who has written travel books about Jewish life around the world.
1: Absolutely the case. If ever you have traveled from a Jewish perspective, there is a very good chance that you will have bought... A travel guide to Jewish Europe, a travel guide to the Jewish Caribbean and South America, and others.
0: Ben Frank not only writes
1: travel books, he also writes fiction. His latest book just out is Clara's brother and the woman he loved. We caught up with Ben a short time ago, and we talked to him about his favorite country to visit from a Jewish perspective. And the country he chose was France.
3: France has everything. It also has a wonderful Jewish community, uh, the largest in Europe. And Joseph Roth wrote a sentence that describes France. France has mountains, sea, mystery, clarity, nature, art, science, revolution, religion, history, pleasure, grace and tragedy, beauty, wit, and satire enlightenment and reaction. It's all there for you. It's a beautiful country, whether it's from Normandy in the north to the wonderful beaches in the Riviera or Biarritz on the west uh, coast. And of course it has Paris. That's the jewel in the crown and other cities, of course. And so that's why I chose Paris. I've been there probably more than any other country. I love it. I know all its problems. The whole world has problems. But it's a great place for a tourist or for a traveler, culturally and visually.
0: France's history is quite complicated, and its Jewish history is probably even more complicated. Can you simplify it for us?
3: Jews came along with the Romans in the Roman times. Uh, It was up and down for a number of centuries, and then probably in the... uh, Eleventh century things got difficult. There were a number of expulsions for various reasons, obviously anti-Semitic reasons, or to get rid of debts that they owe that the crown owed them, and then called back quickly, and then expelled again and called back quickly, and then we go on to uh, the fourteenth century uh, where they're out for a long while until about seventeenth, eighteenth century Jews started returning to France, and what made it so great was that they found more comfort and freedom in France than in any other country. End of the 18th century, France opened its doors to Jews and was the first European country, actually after the United States, to grant Jews emancipation. The Declaration of Human Rights and Jews became free. Actually, the Sephardic were the first ones, and then came the Ashkenazi. And from then on, we have Jews living in France and France. In fact, the the expression is Jews wanted to be there. It was leaving for a Jew like a king. And Jews began coming from Eastern Europe. And then of course you had, you said the complication, we had a rise of anti-Semitism again, uh, the famous Dreyfus trial, um, and the obviously the founder of modern Zionism, Herzl. It all started in Paris when he saw Dreyfus degraded. And then the first world war, and then Jews still kept coming to, to France. And the complicated history goes on with the Nazi invasion. And yet with all that, two thirds of the Jewish communities survived the Holocaust. And then we have the biggest change, I think, in recent Jewish history. We have France, instead of being an Ashkenazi country, becomes a Sparta country. The immigration from North Africa. Most Jews went to Israel, but a lot went to France. So I think that that pretty well sums it up. It's been a rocky road between Israel sometimes and France, but now it's good, I think.
0: As a visitor interested in France's Jewish heritage, does much remain from the golden age of French Jewry?
3: Tourism-wise, it's obviously an excellent place for Jews to visit. Carpentras, Cambagnons, the synagogues, the ancient synagogues that are still there going back hundreds of years, and Jews lived there, and it shows their life there. You have museums there in those two cities. But in Paris alone, you have Jewish sites for Jewish tourism that are unbelievable. You have the Jewish Museum, uh, which is in a 17th century mansion, which is really an unbelievable place. And people should visit it. Right in the middle is a statue of Dreyfus with the broken sword. And you ha- that's where you learn Jewish life. So for the Jewish tourists or any tourist, any religion to learn about Jews in France, I would highly recommend the Jewish Museum. It's modern. It's, of course, in an old building, but it's modern inside and and well, well done. Of course, we have a Shoah Museum in the Marais section, the Shoah, uh, dedicated to the Shoah. And you have the Temple Victoire, one of the most uh, austere Jewish sites in the world that one can visit on a Friday night and get to know, you know Jewish the Jewish people of Paris. You wanna meet Jewish people, and that's a place on a synagogue on a Friday night or in a community center. Um, so I think those are the highlights. If you wanna explore more, you go to Valdiv, the uh, uh, skating rink where they imprisoned Jews in the beginning, Or you go out to Drancy to see the railroad cars where all the Jews were kept in the camp. Um, you know, in the village there. And so there's very, very much to see.
0: So if you were taking me on a tour of France, what would be the top two or three places that you would take me to?
3: Well, Paris, obviously. Paris is the gem, like I said. If I was taking you to Paris, we'd walk down the Champs-Élysées, the whole length. I mean, the the two at the end of each place, the Arc de Triomphe and the uh, Place de la Concorde, the statue there. And we'd walk over to the Eiffel Tower. I would take the boat ride on the Seine. Everybody does, that's great. You know, I even heard in 67, Jews on that boat ride sing in Jerusalem of gold. So you have a wonderful Jewish community there. And that's what I would do. other sites, the other few that I mentioned. And above all, walk through the Marais, the Marais section of Paris. It's it's becoming more boutique-like now. The, side, the uh, a lot of the bookstores have gone out because the neighborhood is changing. Uh, but still, there's wonderful kosher restaurants there, uh, pizza places. Uh, you can get, you can feel the intensity of Jews living. It was a Jewish ghetto, like the Lower East Side in New York. Ben, is it easy for observant Jewish tourists to eat
1: kosher to keep Shabbat?
3: Besides the United States or Israel or, or other countries, I think that's the one place that really you have no problem. I counted, or at least I heard, there were at least 500 synagogues in France. Wow. So wherever you go, there's a Jewish synagogue in most cities. There's at least one kosher restaurant. Actually, it's been said that in Paris... There are more kosher restaurants than in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles combined. Much of this is because, like I said earlier, the Spartac influence. Spardim like to keep kosher outside also. And by the way, you have so many different kinds of Jewish trends. You have reform, you have conservative, you have, of course, orthodox. I mentioned Temple of Victoire, but in every neighborhood in Paris, you can find a synagogue.
1: And I'm sure anybody listening to this who has a thirst for travel within the Jewish world will know your name because of the various books you've written about Jewish travel. But you also have written novels. How can somebody find out more about all of your works?
3: Uh, all my books, including the last one, which was Clara's Brother and the Woman He Loved, but More in Travel, The Scattered Tribe and also uh, Travel Guided Jewish Europe, 4th edition. Uh, they get them all on Amazon, or they can Google other bookstores under Ben G. Frank. And those travel books are there. I have one to Russia, I went one to South America. I've been to almost 90 countries. And uh, I started young, and then I just kept going, and I'm, I'm hoping when COVID's over, we'll, we'll all be out. I'll be out also.
0: Ben, we look forward to interviewing again when you make it to 100 countries. We're honoured to have you on the show. Ben Frank, thank you very much.
3: My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: What an amazing show. It's really
1: nice to get back to Europe, which is it's where my heart is. We should say a very big thank you to both Danielle and Ben for their time and their input. And if you remember right at the start of the pod, Mark, we said, which one would you rather go to if you only could get you know, just the one ticket?
0: I think you and I would differ on this. I think I would possibly pick Vienna.
1: I would definitely head for France, not for Paris. I'd go either Loire Valley or to the southeast. I think there's so much to explore there.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, we have lots more to listen to. Start with number one, where about a year ago, you and I went to New Orleans. We
1: certainly did. And there are another 28 episodes after number one that you can catch up with. You can do that at all the usual places to get your podcasts and, of course, at the Jerusalem Post's website.
0: And if you enjoy it, give us a five-star review, or even six if you find our way of doing that. And
1: what really helps us to get ourselves pushed up the ratings is if you actually write a review. It just needs to be a couple of lines saying how truly amazing, entertaining,
0: and wonderful we are. Quiz answers, David. Question number one What do the Viennese celebrate on September the 9th? National Wiener Schnitzel Day.
1: And question number two What famous cocktail was invented at the Ritz Hotel in Paris? Is it a Ritz salad? <laughs> <laughs> For the
0: fans of 40 Towers, that's. <laughs> The answer is a Bloody Mary. And do you know why it was invented and for whom? No, but you're going to tell me. Ernest Hemingway, in one of his slightly more sober moments, he said, I'd like a cocktail that doesn't smell of alcohol. So the hotel invented the Bloody Mary of vodka and tomato juice.
1: Mark, after uh, the last episode on Ireland and inebriation, you said, let's not talk about alcohol in this one.
0: Sorry for mentioning alcohol again.
1: That's all right, that's all right. Anyway, I think people have heard enough of you and me bickering. Do join us the next time. I think the next one will be a nice international edition where you and I take to the skies. Yes, about time. We've been sat in Israel for at
0: least six weeks.
1: Absolutely the case. So tune in in a couple of weeks' time for the next episode of the Jerusalem Post Podcast Travel Edition.
0: Goodbye. Cheerio.
1: The Jerusalem Post podcast travel edition is sponsored by worldjewishtravel.org, the number one platform for planning your Jewish cultural trips.